Acts chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1 down to, to verse 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can see. Let's just pray together, shall we? And then we'll get stuck into that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you instruct us and you lead us and you guide us by your word. You don't bypass our intellect, but you inform us. And we pray for that this morning. And we also pray that as we look into your word, that your Holy Spirit would come and build faith within us. Lord, we don't want just a mental assent to your word. We want a heart that burns with passion and a faith expectancy that the things you promise in your word are true and dependable and we can stand on and base our lives upon. So, Lord, would you come and speak to us now? Would you help me to speak with clarity? And would you just open up your word to us as we look into it? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good. So, we come now to Acts chapter 3. We've looked at the first two chapters of Acts. And uh, by the time we get to Acts 3, the church has, in some ways, become established. You have Acts chapter 1, where we see Jesus ascending into heaven. And then they appoint uh, an apostle to replace Judas. And then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on them at Pentecost and the gospel is proclaimed and thousands are saved. 
And at the end of Acts chapter 2, we have that wonderful description of, of life in the church in those early days. And, and now we get to Acts chapter 3, and in some ways, this is kind of, it's, it's now kind of business as usual. This is now the, the church kind of up and running, and, and this is what they were doing. And, and of course, it's still an amazing period of history, and the church is still very new. But in a sense, they have sort of moved on from that very first step. And what we see is Peter and John going to the temple to pray. They were Jews. This is what they did. They were in the same culture. They were in the same sort of activities and routines as before. But actually, now everything had changed. Everything was different because they now had a new outlook. They looked at the world with a a mission filter. And you know, that's how we should be. When, when you become a Christian, you, have, you keep your job. The world still needs teachers. It still needs bank managers and, and office workers and, and students. We do the same kind of things, but we do them with, with a, a new priority. We now look at the whole world through a, a kind of mission filter, looking for opportunities to, to share the gospel. And so when Peter and John saw this man who was unable to walk, and he'd been unable to walk from birth, he was begging outside the, uh, the temple gates, they were moved with compassion. They didn't think, oh no, but I've, we've got an appointment, we've, we've got to make the prayer meeting, let's, let's get on. No, they actually prioritised this man. They saw this as an opportunity for God's power to work and for them to proclaim the gospel. And so they commanded this man to walk. And they commanded him to walk in the name of Jesus. Now I don't want to talk specifically about healing this morning, although that is a great subject in itself. I tell you, if you haven't heard Scott Sanders' testimony of healing, then you really need to be here this evening. Because it is an amazing story. It is great. And uh, it's just wonderful to see God's power at work. So uh, I just commend that to you again. But uh, this morning, I don't want to focus specifically on healing. What I do want to do is look at that expression, in Jesus' name. You see, Peter was confident that the power that came and healed this man was all because of that name. And we tend to stick it on the end of prayers don't we? I, I just did that. I'm conscious that I just did that. And uh, do we really understand what we mean when we say, in Jesus' name? How should we use that name? What does it mean to include it in our prayer? There's something wonderful and, and powerful and precious there. So I want to kind of help our understanding this morning, but I also want us to, to be rising in faith that actually there is a tremendous power in the name of Jesus. And that power is available to you and to me. So the first thing I want to say then is that you are in Jesus' name. If you're a Christian, then you are in the name of Jesus. And names are important. Jesus' name conveys all that he is, all that he has done. I was preaching elsewhere recently and, and a man just came up to me afterwards and we'd sung a song that morning and I can't for the life of me remember what, what the song was. It is one we know. But there was the line in the song, it said something like, we are, we are saved by the name of Jesus. And for some reason this had kind of 
annoyed this chap and, and he said to me, we're not saved by the name of Jesus, we're saved by Jesus. What, what's all this talk of the name of Jesus? And you know, actually he'd missed the point. Because the name of Jesus conveys everything that Jesus is and has done. It's everything that's contained in Philippians 2, verse 6 to 11. And I just want to read this passage to you. It's worth reading because it it just underlines the importance of Jesus' name. It'll go up on the wall, hopefully. Philippians 2, from verse 6 onwards, it says this, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is Jesus. This is the one who who is and, and was and is to come. This is the Jesus that we worship. And then the passage goes on, says, Therefore... Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name. He gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You see, it's all in the name. His deity, his incarnation, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his eternal purposes... It's all in the name of Jesus. Don't ever cheapen the name of Jesus. Don't ever let it slip off your tongue just kind of randomly. Certainly don't use it as a swear word. How offensive is that? Don't do it. The name of Jesus is an amazing thing. And do you know what's more amazing? That as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, you have been given that same name. It's not just a label, it's not just a tag, rather it stands for everything that Jesus has done in you, that Jesus has done for you. Revelation, it's a book at the end of the Bible, and in chapter 14 it it describes how there are really only two different types of people, and that symbolically speaking, everybody has a name written across their foreheads. And the question is, whose name do you have on your face? Some people who've put their faith in Jesus. They all have the name of Jesus written on their foreheads. They bear the name of Jesus. And it says there in Revelation that everybody else has the name of the beast, God's enemy, and all his images written on their face. So when it comes to the day of judgment, and Jesus is determining who is going to spend a wonderful eternity in God's presence, And who is going to spend uh, an eternity of loss and suffering and separation from God? It's actually quite easy because he only has to look at their faces to see whose name is written there. Christians, you bear the name of Jesus. And 1 Peter 4 verse 16, it says that whatever life throws at you, whatever you go through as a Christian, however people attack you and offend you, it says there, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Do you know, the forces of evil tremble when you enter the room. 
because you bear the name of Jesus. Because you carry with you the reputation of the Father. It's an amazing thing that you are in Jesus' name. So, let's go on then. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Do you know, when you say at the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen, it's not a, a magic spell. It's not a kind of incantation that just kind of unlocks your prayer and, and, and makes it work. And, and we mustn't think about it that way. We, we mustn't use it that way and think, oh no, that prayer's not going to work. I forgot to say, in Jesus' name at the end. Do you know, it's, it's nothing like that. But it is biblical to pray and ask in Jesus' name. Of course, we have Peter and John here in this story, commanding healing in the name of Jesus. It was the command and expectation that Jesus himself gave. John records uh, much of the, the dialogue between Jesus and his disciples when they were in the upper room before Jesus went out and was arrested and crucified. And uh, in that dialogue, Jesus says again and again to ask in his name. I'll just put all the verses up on the, the wall. There you go. I mean, that's just again and again. If, if there's a thing that Jesus emphasised, then this is it. John fourteen thirteen, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Verse 14, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. John fifteen sixteen, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 16, 23, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Verse 24, until now you've not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive. Verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name. I think there is a message here that we are meant to be getting. So let me just give you three points then about praying in Jesus' name. And what it means to pray in Jesus' name. The first is this. We are called to live and walk in Jesus' name as well as to ask in Jesus' name. You see, when you pray, it's not so much your prayer that is in Jesus' name. It is you that is in Jesus' name. It's not that you, you, know, you pray, God bless Aunt Geraldine, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, and and the, the, the in Jesus' name kind of goes out with your prayer and, and that's okay. No, it's actually you that is in Jesus' name. You say, I am in Jesus' name, I bear the name of Jesus, and therefore this is what I ask. So this is a core issue. Being in Jesus' name affects your whole life. Not just the prayers that you pray. Andy Murray is a tennis player. But uh, before he was a tennis player, he was a, a 19th century theologian. And uh, I'm guessing it's a different guy. But anyway, Andrew Murray said this, and uh, that's the theologian, not the tennis player. He says, the name and the power of asking go together. When the name of Jesus has become the power that rules my life, its power and prayer with God will be seen too. We see thus that everything depends on our relation to the name. The power it has in my life is the power it will have in my prayers. This is very helpful. You see, we can come glibly 
and casually and, and ask for, for this and that. But has your life really been pressed into the name of Jesus? Is his the name that you live by, not just ask by? Colossians 3 verse 17 I think goes up on the wall. Yeah, but it says this, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, this is a lordship issue. Have you made Jesus Lord of every area of your life? And a simple way to test that out is to think about the different components and activities of your life and think, can I thank Jesus for every one of those components of my life. Can I genuinely thank him? And if you can, that's great. But it may be, as I say that, that you think of things in your life and you think, actually, I can't thank Jesus for that. In fact, I would prefer that he didn't even know about it. Well, you need to take those things and and bring them to Jesus in repentance and, and say, I'm sorry for that. Thank you that your death on the cross is sufficient to deal with that area of my life. I renounce it. I walk away from it. I want to make you Lord of that area of my life. There's a great Old Testament verse that that says the same thing. It's it's Micah 4 verse 5. And it says this. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You see, you have a power in prayer that people around you in the street and at work, they just do not have. You can pray in the name of Jesus, but you also need to walk in his name. We will walk in the name of the Lord forever. It says in Acts 21 that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was ready to die for the name of the Lord. Are you so ready to die for the name of the Lord? We're quick to ask, aren't we? We're quick to ask in Jesus' name. Are you ready to die for the name of Jesus? There was a bishop in the the, uh, second century, his name was Polycarp, which I think is an excellent name, isn't it? Polycarp. And uh, he was a bishop of the early church. And uh, actually the very early church, it's quite interesting, he was discipled by the Apostle John. So, you know, he really was there at the beginning, although it's after the time of the Bible. And uh, as the persecution of the church increased, he was eventually arrested and put on trial. And his accusers said to him, all you need to do is swear by the spirit of the Roman emperor and then we'll release you. But Polycarp said this in reply. He said, if you imagine for a moment that I would do that, then I think you pretend you don't know who I am. Hear it plainly. I am a Christian. And with that, they burnt him at the stake. It's a a sticky end. But remember that to bear the name of Jesus means to live and walk in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. And then, secondly, praying in the name of Jesus means laying aside your own name. I think it's easy to assume that that we are praying in in Jesus' name, but actually begin to pray in our own name. 
And the moment you think, well, actually, I, I deserve to have this prayer answered. Actually, you know, I, 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 I think I have a right to, to, for God to do this. Then actually you've stopped praying in Jesus' name and you've started to pray in your own name. I might as well end my prayers in, in the name of David. Amen. You know, in the light of my own standing, in the light of how good I've been, in the light of my own godliness, in the light of how unfairly I've been treated, here is my request. It sounds bad, doesn't it? And it is bad. But we can have that in our hearts sometimes. We think, come on God, you owe me this one. But you know, God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us anything. When you take Jesus' name, you actually lay aside your own name. It's, uh, it's a bit like when, you get, when a woman gets married. And uh, typically, in this country anyway, and, and even then not always, although I think it's, it's good when it does happen, uh, a wife will take the name of her husband when, uh, when she gets married. Ali's maiden name was Kersley. And... Uh, I've got to say, I much prefer the name Kersley to Thompson. No offence to David and Billy if, if they're here, but yeah, Thompson, it's just a bit boring. And uh, it's common as muck. Whereas the name Kersley is, is very rare. And it also just kind of rolls around the tongue nicely. I, I just like it, Kersley. But that's not the point. Ali was pleased to lay aside her name and, and take my name. She doesn't use her old name anymore. It's not important now. She has a new name to live by. And when you become a Christian, your identity is now in Jesus. You represent him to the world. He represents you to the Father. It's not about you anymore. And Peter knew this. After the man in Acts 3 had been healed and and the crowd were were buzzing around him, he, he said to them in verse 12, Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. He's saying, don't be ridiculous. I have no power of my own. I'm actually not that godly. I struggle with this and that. But I come in the name of Jesus. So don't come proudly to God. Don't come standing on your own merit. But equally... You don't need to think that you are in some way unworthy to bring your prayers to God. If you think, I've had a a rubbish week. You know, there's just no way that that God is going to listen to me. Actually, you've stopped praying in Jesus' name and you've started praying in your own name. Think about the week you've just had. Think about the things you've done, the things you've struggled with. How do you think God thinks about you as the result of the week you've just had? Well, the answer is, delighted. He's delighted in you. And the reason he's delighted in you is because his feelings about you don't depend on your performance. They depend on the performance of Jesus. And that is immaculate. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So when you begin to pray, God doesn't think, what a cheek. Now, they, now he comes and asks me for stuff. Now she comes and talks to me after the week she's just had. No, God doesn't think that. 
He thinks, fantastic, my precious child, spotless, righteous, is coming to talk to me. You come with Jesus' performance accredited to you. That's God's wonderful grace. We might think, but what about all that I just said about living in Jesus' name as well as asking in Jesus' name? That guy, Andrew Murray, who said, the power it has in my life is the power it has in my prayers. It all sounded okay at the time, but, but now it sounds a bit contradictory. What, what about this grace? Well, we need to understand this as, as logically as we can. And, and uh, it is difficult. And, and we do need to kind of submit ourselves to, to Scripture at, at every point. But let me try and kind of work through it. As a Christian... You stand before God completely sin-free because you don't bring your own righteousness. Rather, God clothes you with his righteousness. And that's grace. That's the offence of the gospel. But when you do sin, it doesn't change your standing in heaven, but it does have an effect on your life. Sin messes you up. It messes up the people that you come into contact with. That's the effect of sin. And so it's not surprising that it messes up your prayer life. It puts a blockage there. And it's, it's a blockage that, that you have put there. God doesn't intend for it to be there, but you've put it there. But as soon as you come to God and you say, look, I've got no right for you to even listen to me. He says, oh, come closer. Come closer, my precious child. That, that's already sorted. I'm just so glad you've come to me. Do you know, when people sit down in their sin and refuse to repent and refuse to listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's usually that they have stopped praying rather than that God has stopped listening. When God looked at the, the Israelite nation, He saw that there would be times when the Israelites would sin and that he would come and judge them. But he says to them in 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, he says this, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now, we are God's people. We are his covenant people. We are called by his name. And the invitation to you is the same as it was to the Israelites. Humble yourselves and pray. Seek his face. Turn in repentance to him, and he will hear your prayers. He will bring restoration and peace. He will do the things that you ask in his name. I get my television programs through Virgin Media, through a, a cable in the ground. And, and uh, just occasionally I switch on my, my TV and, and uh, the channel is, is locked. It's not working or it's blank. And I switch to another channel and, and that's blank as well. And every channel I go to, and there's enough of them, mostly rubbish, but every channel I go to, it's it's locked or it's blank, and I think, right, 
I'm paying a lot for this. So I get on the phone and uh, I dial the number and I'm, I'm ready to give them what for. They need to sort out my TV service because I'm paying for it. But when you phone up Virgin Media, the first thing you get is a recorded message. And it says, before you go any further, go and unplug the box under your TV. Wait a few minutes, plug it back in, see what happens. And I never want to do it. You know, because I think, well, I'm on the phone now. I might as well talk to somebody and let them know. But then common sense prevails and I put the phone down. I think, okay, I will. I'll go and I'll reset the box. And of course, it always fixes the problem. The problem wasn't with them and the signals they were delivering. The problem was with me and I needed to reset the box. And you know, prayer can be like that. God is ready and waiting to answer our prayers and do what we ask in his name. We just need to humble ourselves and pray. Humble ourselves and pray. Lay aside your own name and come in the name of Jesus. Okay, one more thing. To pray in Jesus' name means that all of heaven's resources are available to you. And we need to have faith. That God is ready to answer our prayer. Don't be too quick to to make excuses for God. We can do that, can't we? We pray and then we say, well, if if it's in God's will. And we're kind of, we're, we're graciously letting God off the hook. Saying, well, if he doesn't want to do it, that's fine. Or we'll say things like, well, there... There may be a a sin issue. Or God may have something better for us in the future. Or or God may be teaching us persistence in this one and we need to keep praying. Well, do you know, all those things can be true. All those things can be true in any and every situation that we're praying for. But do you know, it's just not the tone of the New Testament with regard to teaching on prayer. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, when you pray, don't be surprised if nothing happens. You know, don't get your hopes up. That would be unwise. Now, when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. You ask it, I'll do it. That's the way it's going to work. It's an amazing invitation. And and Jesus puts no limits on it. The invitation is qualified. It's qualified by being in my name. That's the qualification. But it's not limited. Don't, Don't limit God. The power in the name of Jesus is without limitation. So it is whatever you ask. All of heaven's resources are available to you. So what are you asking for? What are we asking for? How much do we want to see this church proceed? How many people do we want to see saved? What situations in your workplace or in this city or in this nation do we want to see breakthrough in for the kingdom of God? Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And Jesus said to his disciples, up till now, 
you haven't asked for anything in my name, but you will. And sometimes it feels like we're only just getting going in prayer. It's like God could say to us, well, up till now, you you haven't really asked for anything. When all of heaven's resources are available to us, it's like there's a tap and and we've just turned it on a smidge and, and the water is kind of dribbling out. Well, we need to turn the tap some more. There's tremendous resource. We need to let the water kind of gush out. When Peter spoke to the the crowd, having healed this lame man, he could say with absolute confidence, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. This is a a powerful name that we bear. It's a, a powerful name that we walk in. So let's pray in that name. Let's pray humbly, but in faith. Confident that he will keep his promise. And that he will do whatever we ask in his name. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I'd like us to, uh, to respond. And uh, perhaps we could have the, the worship band up. Let's just come before God. I feel that a good place to start is uh, just to rest in the grace of God. It says in Romans uh, that uh, we, we now stand in the grace of God. And I just feel this morning, I just want us to stand in God's grace. Now there may be areas of your life that you're just saying, I just need to take this opportunity to just put this right with God. I realise that as an area of my life it's going to be, it's not... It's not going to be good. It's, it's going to be causing a blockage in my relationship with, with Jesus. Why don't you just bring that to God right now and just say thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace, which is sufficient even for a sinner like me. If you're not a, a, a Christian here this morning, if you've never... Ask Jesus to be your Lord and uh, you've never asked for forgiveness for, for, for living your life without him, then why don't you do that right now? Just say, yeah, I see. I see the power that's in your name. I see what you've done in going to the cross to pay the price for my sin. Lord, I just want to say, I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. If you've done that for the first time this morning, then it would be good just to have somebody to pray with you. Just to kind of support you in that and affirm you in in that step you've just taken. Please do have somebody pray with you before you leave. But you know, for all of us, we stand in God's grace. 
we stand before a holy, almighty God. We bring our prayers in the name of a holy, almighty God. And Lord, we just want to say, we just give our lives to you again. We want to walk in your name. We want our lives to be consumed by the love of your name. Come and settle this word in, your Holy, in, our, in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power that is in your name. I thank you for your promises that say, I will do whatever you ask in my name. And even as I'm praying now, would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you build faith in our hearts? Not faith in the words of David Thompson, but words in the faith, in faith in the words of your scripture. Faith in the, your promises. Lord, would you come and build faith? Faith in our hearts to stand on you. What is it in your heart? that you want to ask God for? What is it in your heart that you want to step out and do in the name of Jesus?